Welcome, I am your host, and this is the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, leave me some feedback on what you think about the show, and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about Colonia Dignidad. So, Colonia Dignidad, or Digital Colony, was an isolated colony of Germans established in post-World War II Chile by immigrant Nazi Germans, which became notorious for the internment, torture and murder of dissidents during the military dictatorship of General Augusto Pinochet in the 1970s, while under the leadership of German fugitive Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer was a Nazi corporal during World War II. In 1959, he fled Germany after being accused of sexual abuse. And in 1961, he surfaced in Chile, along with 300 German followers, where they formed a secretive community in the Andes Mountains known as Colonia Dignidad. The colony's true intentions are still debated to this day. Schaefer was a follower and promoter of the teachings of William Branham. The main legal economic activity of the colony was agriculture. At various periods, it was also home to a school, a hospital, two airstrips, a restaurant, and a power station. Colonial Dignidad. As a journalist, I remember some of this story about a place called Colonia Dignidad here in Chile. A large German community. There were rumors. They were involved in murders and disappearances. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. This is a place that conjures up images of sheer fear in the faces of Chileans to this day. Colonia Dignidad's longest continuous leader, Paul Schaefer, arrived at the colony in 1961. Schaefer was a fugitive accused of child molestation in West Germany. The organization he led in Chile was described alternatively as a cult or as a group of harmless eccentrics, which I don't believe at all. The organization was secretive and the colonia was surrounded by barbed wire fences and featured a watchtower and searchlights and was later reported to contain secret weapon caches. External investigation including efforts by the Chilean government, uncovered a history of criminal activity in the enclave, including child sexual abuse. Reports from Chile's National Commission for Truth and Reconciliation indicate that a small set of the many individuals abducted by Pinochet's, and I'm going to butcher this, I do apologize, Dirichion de Intelligencia Nacional during his rule were held as prisoners at Colonia Dignidad, some of whom were subjected to torture, and that some Colonia residents of the time were participants in the atrocities. There we go. Reformed Nazi cult trying to, what does it say, Jamie? What's the full uh, title? Full Nazi cult. What is the... Uh, so that, that that's just a marketing thing because it's still the same place. Reformed Nazi cult trying to open its colony to tourism. And where is this? That's in Chile. Yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time there, right there. How They weird, made a movie man. about it. So that's current day, right there. Jesus Christ. That's Later so Hosen. strange. It's freaking gorgeous, though. It's I mean, it is Shangri-La. Yeah, German flag flying. Wow. They've tried to hide the Nazi things that they've had. I had dinner right there. Look at them all. I know, I know like that guy Germans. on the left. Do you really? Yep. yep. What's that, bro? 
We talked in the butchery. There he is right now. Jacuzzi. Hi. Yeah. Um, So I had this guy with me, Mike Simpson. He is a... He works with me at Sheepdog Response. He's a doctor. He was a ranger that became a Green Beret that then went to medical school and then came back to special operations um, for the rest of the war. And he's our director of training for Sheepdog Response. He was with me. He and I both speak Spanish when we were down there. But they didn't know that he was a doctor. And they didn't know that we spoke Spanish. And they didn't know that our translator that looked very Chilean could also speak German. Perfect German. She translates for Porsche. Um, so they thought that they could have all these little conversations with the the stupid, hairy-handed um, Irish guy hosts from the tourism channel. that, And, and they could get away. Well... We understood everything they're saying. What were they saying? So one of our tour guides was formerly a nurse in the hospital that they closed down. And we stole one of their their little ID cards to get into that hospital. And we stole a bunch of documents of them documenting them torturing little kids. In the hospital? In the hospital. None of this made the air because it's it's there's so much litigation going on where all of these victims of Colonia Dignidad are suing via Bavaria. And what time period are you talking about when they were torturing kids? Like, when was this? 60s to 90s. Wow. And so this is essentially Nazis and the ancestors of Nazis carrying on those practices yeah. in secret. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's crazy. Man, so we, this, we, isn't, this isn't just people that got away with it and then their ancestors no. moved here and they evolved and changed. And so adapted. what do you do with that place? You saw the pictures. I mean, that, 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 that place is worth maybe $100 million. And they bought that with Nazi money. What do you do with that? Where does that go? Where does that go? I don't know. I mean, the Nazi money. We're, ta- we're talking melted fillings from Jews' mouths. We're talking wedding <laughs> rings off of Jews' fingers. They bought that land with that money. And it's gorgeous. Jesus Christ. And they have a German colony there. What, what? I don't know. I don't know what the I, right answer is. I mean, how does Chile feel about it? Chile has been in a tough position because of the amount of power that they have had there. Nobody... So in the, um, in the 60s, they were at behest of the president. They were bringing in... Um, people that disagreed with the dictator and they're torturing them and they're getting that information and giving it back to the president. Um, well, that went on for like 10 years. And so the, the Nazis were doing that for, yes. Okay. For, um, oh my God, I cannot believe I remember. Whoever the dictator was at yeah, the time. But I'm so embarrassed. I can't remember his name right now because it's around the tip of my tongue. Anyways, but that information they also had. So not only the information went back to the president that he could use against his rivals, but they also had it. So they know all the dirt about everybody. They know who is having sex with who, who has a kid with who, who went to this prostitute place, who has a deal with the CIA, who's working with the Venezuelans, who's working with the Argentinians. Like they have all that dirt because they gave it to the president. They have it too. So they had been untouchable politically for you know 30 40 years because they had so much power because they had so much information because they had so much dirt on every single high-ranking person in south america jesus christ yeah that's been a trippy year for me from that show and then straight into hard to kill the show for the discovery channel from going then deploying to africa like this year i don't even know i can't even 
After Augusta Pinochet came to power in 1973, Colonia Dignidad became one of the secret detention, torture, and execution centers of the Chilean secret police, the, I'm going to butcher this name, Dirección de Inteligencia Nacional, DINA, the National Intelligence Directorate during the military dictatorship of Chile in 1973 to 1990. Now we're going to get into exactly who Augusto Pinochet was. So, Augusto Jos Ramon Pinochet Ugarte, born on 25th of November 1915 and died on the 10th of December 2006, was a Chilean general who ruled Chile from 1973 to 1990, first as the leader of the military jaunter of Chile from 1973 to 1981, and being declared President of the Republic by the Junta in 1974, and becoming the de facto Director of Chile, and from 1981 to as de jure president after a new constitution which confirmed him in the office was approved by referendum in 1980. After his rise to power, Pinochet persecuted leftists, socialists, and political critics, resulting in the executions of between 1,200 to 3,200 people, the internment of as many as 80,000 people, and the torture of tens of thousands. According to the Chilean government, the number of executions and forced disappearances was 3,095. Operation Condor, a US-supported terror operation focusing on South America, was founded at the behest of the Pinochet regime in late November 19. 1975, his 60th birthday. Quote, he shut down parliament, suffocated political life, banned trade unions, and made Chile his sultanante. His government disappeared 3,000 opponents, arrested 30,000, torturing thousands of them. Pinochet's name will forever be linked to the, and I'm going to butcher this, Desperadicios, the caravan of death and the institutionalized torture that took place in the Villa Grimaldi complex, end quote. That was a quote by Thor Hal Vesorsen, president of the Human Rights Foundation National Review. Pinochet's regime was responsible for many human rights abuses during its reign, including forced disappearances, murder, and torture of political opponents. According to a government commission report that included testimony from more than 30,000 people, Pinochet's government killed at least 3,197 people and tortured about 29,000 others. Two-thirds of the cases listed in the report happened in 1973 alone. Professor Clive Foss in The Tyrants, 2500 Years of Absolute Power and Corruption, estimates that 1,500 to 2,000 Chileans were killed or disappeared during the Pinochet regime. In October 1979, the New York Times reported that Amnesty International had documented the disappearance of approximately 1,500 Chileans since 1973. Among the killed and disappeared during the military regime were at least 663 Marxist MIR guerrillas. The Manuel Rodriguez Patriotic Front, however, has stated that only 49 FPMR guerrillas were killed, but hundreds detained and tortured. According to a study in Latin American Perspectives, at least 200,000 Chileans, about 2 of Chile's 1973 population were forced to go into exile. Additionally, hundreds of thousands left the country in the wake of the economic crisis that followed the military coup during the 1970s and 1980s. Some of the key individuals who fled because of political persecution were followed in their exile by the DINA secret police in the framework of Operation Condor, which linked South American military dictatorships together against political opponents. According to John Dingy's, author of The Condor Years, documents released in 2015 revealed a CIA report dated the 28th of April 1978 that showed that, that the agency by then had knowledge that Pinochet ordered the assassination of Orlando Letelier, a leading political opponent living in exile in the United States. Now, 
According to Peter Kornblatt in the Pinochet file, quote, routine sadism was taken to extremes in the prison camps. The rape of women was common, including sexual torture, such as the insertion of rats into the genitals and unnatural acts involving dogs. Detainees were forcibly immersed in vats of urine and excrement and were occasionally forced to ingest it. Beatings with gun butts, fists and chains were routine. One technique known as the telephone involved the torturer slamming his open hand hard and rhythmically against the ears of the victim, leaving the person deaf. At Villa Grimaldi, prisoners were dragged into the parking lot and had the bones in their legs crushed as they were run over with trucks. Some died from torture, prisoners were beaten with chains and left to die from internal injuries. Following abuse and execution, corpses were interred in secret graves, dropping into the rivers or the ocean or just dumped on urban streets in the night. The body of the renowned Chilean singer, theatre director and academic Victor Jara was found in a dirty canal with his hands and face extremely disfigured and with 44 bullet holes. End quote. The practice of murdering political opponents via death fights employed by the jaunters of Argentina and Chile has sometimes been the subject of numerous alt-right and other right-wing extremist groups, internet memes, with the suggestion that political enemies and leftists be given free helicopter rides. In 2001, Chilean President Ricardo Lagos informed the nation that during Pinochet's regime, 120 bodies had been tossed from helicopters into the ocean, the lakes, and the rivers of Chile. In a final assessment of his legacy during his funeral, Belisario Velasco, Chile's interior minister at the time, remarked that Pinochet was a classic right-wing dictator who badly violated human rights and who became rich. End quote. I do apologize if I get any of these names wrong. I'm not very good at pronunciation, so I do apologize. Now we get into the scandals involving Pinochet, including secret bank accounts, tax evasion, and arms deals. So, in 2004, a United States Senate money laundering investigation led by Senators Carl Levin, DMI, and Norm Coleman, RMN, ordered in the wake of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, uncovered a network of over 125 securities and bank accounts at Riggs Bank and other U.S. financial institutions used by Pinochet and his associates associates for 25 years to secretly move millions of dollars. Though the subcommittee was charged only with investigating compliance of financial institutions under the USA Patriot Act and not the Pinochet regime, Senator Coleman noted, this is a sad, sordid tale of money laundering involving Pinochet accounts at multiple financial institutions using alias names, offshore accounts, and close associates. As a former general and president of Chile, Pinochet was a well-known human rights violator and violent dictator, end quote. Over several months in 2005, Chilean judge Sergio Manoes indicted Augusto Pinochet's wife, Lucia Hyarat, four of his children, Marco Antonio, Jacqueline Veronica, and Lucia Pinochet, his former personal secretary, Monica Ananias, and his former aide, Oscar Atakin, on tax evasion and falsification charges stemming from the Riggs Bank investigation. In January 2006, daughter Lucia Pinochet was detained at Washington, D.C., Dallas, airport and subsequently deported while attempting to evade the tax charges in Chile. In January 2007, the Santiago Court of Appeals revoked most of the indictment from Judge Carlos Sudea against the Pinochet family, but Pinochet's five children, his wife, and 17 other persons, including two generals, one of his former lawyer and former secretary, were arrested in October 2007 on charges of embezzlement and use of false passports. They are accused of having illegally transferred 27 million or 13.2 
£1.2 million to foreign bank accounts during Pinochet's rule. In September 2005, a joint investigation by The Guardian and La Tessera revealed that the British arms firm BAE Systems had been identified as paying more than £1 million to Pinochet through a front company in the British Virgin Islands, which BAE has used to channel commission on arms deals. The payments began in 1997 and lasted until 2004. In 2007, 15 years of investigation led to the conclusion that the 1992 assassination of Dina Colonel Gerardo Huber was most probably related to various illegal arms trafficking carried out after Pinochet's resignation from power by military circles very close to himself. Huber had been assassinated a short time before he was due to testify in the case concerning the 1991 illegal export of weapons to the Croatian army. The deal involved 370 tons of weapons sold to Croatia by Chile on the 7th of December 1991 when the former country was under a United Nations embargo because of the support for Croatia's war in Yugoslavia. In January of 1992, the judge Harain Cora de la Serda wanted to hear Gerardo Huber in this case, but the latter may have been silenced to avoid implicating Pinochet in this new case. Although the latter was no longer president and he remained at the time commander-in-chief of the army. Pinochet was at the centre of this illegal arms trade, receiving money through various offshore and front companies including the Banco Cult International in Miami. Pinochet was stripped of his parliamentary immunity in August 2000 by the Supreme Court and indicted by Judge Juan Guzman Tapia. Guzman had ordered in 1999 the arrest of five militarists, including General Pedro Espinonzo Bravo of the Dina for their role in the Caravan of Death following the coup on the 11th of September. Arguing that the bodies of the disappeared were still missing, he made jurisprudence which has an effect to lift any prescription on the crimes committed by the military. Pinochet's trial continued up until his death on the 10th of December 2006, with an alternation of indictments for specific cases, lifting of immunities by the Supreme Court, or to the contrary, immunity from prosecution, with his health a main argument for or against his prosecution. The Supreme Court affirmed in March 2005 Pinochet's immunity concerning the 1974 assassination of General Carlos Prats in Buenos Aires, which had taken place in the frame of Operation Condor. However, he was deemed fit to stand trial for Operation Colombo, during which 119 political opponents were disappeared in Argentina. The Chilean justice also lifted his immunity on the Villa Grimaldi case, a detention and torture centre in the outskirts of Santiago. Pinochet, who still benefited from a reputation of rightfulness from his supporters, lost legitimacy when he was put under house arrest on tax fraud and passport forgery following the publication by the US Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations of a report concerning the Riggs Bank in July of 2004. The report was a consequence of investigations on financial funding of the September 11, 2001 attacks in the US. The bank controlled between US $4 million and $8 million of the assets of Pinochet, who lived in Santiago in a modest house, dissimulating his wealth. According to the report, Riggs participated in money laundering for Pinochet, setting up offshore shell corporations, referring to Pinochet as only a former public official, and hiding his accounts from regulatory agencies. According to Pinochet's and his family's secret bank accounts in the United States and in the Caribbean islands, this tax fraud filing for an amount of $27 million shocked the conservative sectors who still supported him. 
90% of these funds would have been raised between 1990 and 1998 when Pinochet was chief of the Chilean armies and would essentially have come from weapons trafficking when purchasing French Mirage fighter aircraft in 1994 and Dutch Leopard 2 tanks, Swiss MOWAG armoured vehicles or by illegal sales of weapons to Croatia during the Balkans War. His wife, Lucia Harriet, and his son, Marco Antonio Pinochet, were also sued for complicity. For the fourth time in seven years, Pinochet was indicted by Chilean justice. However, Schaefer's propaganda efforts were again and again overshadowed by allegations of people escaping from the colony and obtaining asylum in Germany. The first, Wolfgang Mueller, fled in 1966 and first exposed the atrocities that occurred within the colony. Mueller obtained German citizenship and worked for a newspaper, soon becoming an activist in Germany against the leaders of Colonia Dignidad, and finally became the president of the foundation dedicated to the support of victims in Chile. In the following year, he freed another inhabitant of the colony, Heinz Kahn, who confirmed the allegations previously made by Muller and provided more information on abuses. However, these first allegations were rejected by politicians and were emphatically denied due to their ties with the management of the colony in their preparation of the military coup of the 11th of September 1973, as demonstrated later in Chilean court cases. Now we come to the secret detention camp itself. So, before officially removing his organisation to Chile, Paul Schaefer requested that the Chilean government exempt him from paying taxes and grant him asylum as long as he helped with gaining political intelligence. The Rettig Commission noted a wealth of information supporting the accusations of the use of the land owned by Colonia Dignidad for detention and torture of political detainees during Pinochet's military dictatorship. The farm, commonly known as Colonia Dignidad, is within Parral on the banks of River Ang- I'm going to butcher this name, Pierquillo Queen, near Catalio. The commission also noted that other sources concluded Colonia Dignidad was used at a minimum as a detention centre for political prisoners. Among these sources, a spokesperson for the government of the Federal Republic of Germany and the Working Group on Enforced or Involuntary Disappearances. The Rettig Commission ultimately based its conclusions on evidence that it examined directly. In these underground prisons, the captives were tortured in various ways, including mutilation from dogs and electric shocks. There is speculation that the extent of Schaefer's involvement with Pinochet has not yet been fully disclosed. Schaefer's 2005 arrest saw more than 500 government files of missing detainees hidden in the Bodega de las Papas, potato cellar in English. Each of these files contained details of severe human rights violations committed under Schaefer's supervision in collaboration with Pinochet. In the late 1970s, Pinochet allegedly ordered for the mass graves containing hundreds of murder detainees to be unearthed and for the bodies to be either thrown in the sea or burned. Absolutely disgusting, that happening. What Pinochet did was absolutely atrocious, and with Paul Schaefer being complicit in it is absolutely disgusting. I can't believe that they were able to get away with these atrocities for so long. It's just mind-boggling. It really is. Now we're going to get into the claims of German intelligence service assistance. So, journalist John Dingies, who I mentioned before, has suggested that there was some degree of cooperation between the German intelligence service and Colonia Dignidad, including creation of bunkers, tunnels, a hospital, and runways for the decentralized production of armaments in modules, parts produced in one place, other parts in another. This subject was proactively hidden because of the problems experienced at the time associated with Argentina. Now we're going to get into Paul Schaefer. 
Paul Schaefer Schneider, born the 4th of December 1921 and died on the 24th of April 2010, was a Nazi child rapist and the founder and leader of a sect and agricultural commune of 300 German immigrants called Colonia Dignidad or Dignity Colony, later renamed Villa Baviera, located in Parel in southern Chile, about 340 kilometres, 210 miles south of Santiago from 1961 to 2005. Schaefer was a follower and promoter of the teachings of William Branham, aside from human rights abuses against members of Colonia Dignidad, including the sexual abuse and torture of young children, Schaefer maintained a relationship with Pinochet's military dictatorship from 1973 to 1990, and was involved in weapon smuggling and the torture and execution of political dissidents. After the end of Pinochet's government, increased public awareness of the activities of Colonia Dignidad, following testimony by former victims, led to the issuing of a warrant for Schaefer's arrest. Living underground for eight years, he spent the last five years of his life in prison in Chile. Now we go into the underground from 1996 to 2005. So after 26 Colonio children who went to the commune's free clinic and school reported abuse, a judge in Santiago issued an arrest warrant for Schaefer's arrest, but police could not find him on the compound. Children continued to attend the boarding school, but support of local parents dwindled. Yet Schaefer turned teary-eyed departures into propaganda to prove his innocence. Schaefer finally staged a farewell ceremony and disappeared in subterranean living containers. In July of 1997, two boys fled to the German embassy, one of them, Tobias Müller, was flown out to Germany. Schaefer disappeared on the 20th of May 1997, escaping child sex abuse charges filed by Chilean authorities under President Eduardo Free Ruiz Tangle. He was tried in absence and found guilty in late 2004. Schaefer was also under investigation in Chile in connection with the disappearance of Russian mathematician Boris Weisfeller and alleged human rights abuses. Schaefer was also wanted in Germany and France in connection with earlier child abuse allegations. Now we get into his arrest and death between 2005 and 2010. So, Schaefer was found on the 10th of March 2005, nearly eight years after his disappearance, hiding in a townhouse in an expensive gated community known as Las Acadas, 40 kilometres or 25 miles from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Following two days of negotiations between Chilean and Argentine authorities, Schaefer was extradited to Chile to face a court hearing. There, he was charged with being involved in the 1976 disappearance of the political activist Juan Mano. In July 2005, police unearthed Schaefer's buried military weaponry, much of it World War II vintage, including grenades and machine guns that were produced by the colony. On the 24th of May 2006, Schaefer was sentenced to 20 years in jail for sexually abusing 25 children and was ordered to pay 770 million pesos, approximately US $1.5 million, to 11 minors whose representatives had filed claims against Schaefer. Schaefer was found guilty of 20 counts of dishonest abuses and 5 counts of child rape, all committed between 1993 and 1997. On the 24th of April 2010, Schaefer died aged 88 years at the Santiago de Chile's penitentiary's hospital due to heart failure. It was later revealed that he was suffering from a severe cardiac illness. Now we go into the atrocities that were performed. So we start off with sexual abuse. So in 1996, Schaefer fled child sex abuse charges in Chile, escaping arrest until 2005. The previous year, in his absence, a Chilean court had convicted him of child abuse, together with 26 other cult members. In 2006, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He died in prison of a heart ailment on the 24th of April 2010 at the age of 88. At the time of his death, he was still under investigation for the 
1985 disappearance of mathematician Boris Weisweiler, an American citizen who went missing while hiking near Colonia Dignidad. And that is a case I'll go into later on in the podcast. Now we get into the torture and murder that took place. So, during the military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet from 1973 to 1990, Colonia Dignidad served as a special torture centre. In 1991, Chile's National Commission for Truth and Reconciliation concluded that a number of people apprehended by the DINA were held at Colonia Dignidad and that some of the colony's residents actively helped the DINA torture some of the captives. Colonia Dignidad's involvement came to light as early as October of 1976, when a report from the United Nations ad hoc working group on Chile, as referenced in a March 1977 Amnesty International report, disappeared prisoners in Chile, with a latter report describing the evidence in this way, and I quote, another DINA detention center distributed in the UN document in which it is alleged that experiments and torture are carried out in Colonia Dignidad near the town of Peral, end quote. Prisoners being tortured in the tunnels under Colonia Dignidad were each interrogated to gain an understanding of their personality in order to gauge the appropriate torture technique. These techniques led to a number of afflictions lasting indeterminate periods of time. As many as a hundred of the citizens taken to Colonia Dignidad by the Dina were murdered at the colony. Now we get into the member abuse. So, some defectors from the colony have portrayed it as a cult in which the leader Paul Schaefer held the ultimate power. They claim that the residents were never allowed to leave the colony and that they were strictly segregated by gender. Televisions, telephones and calendars were banned. Residents were wearing Bavarian peasant garb and sang German folk songs. Sex was banned with some residents forced to take drugs to reduce their desires. Drugs were also administered as a form of sedation, mostly to young girls, but to males as well. Severe Discipline in the form of beatings and torture were commonplace, and Schaefer insisted that discipline was spiritually enriching, which I don't know how the hell you could ever come to that realisation. I mean, that's just an absolutely sick and twisted way of looking at things, and Schaefer sounds like an absolutely despicable human being. There are more than 1,100 disappeared persons in Chile, some taken to the colony while they were tortured and killed. One of them is a U.S. citizen, Boris Weisfeller, a Soviet-born mathematics professor at Pennsylvania State University. Weisfeller, then 43 years old, vanished while on a hiking trip near the border between Chile and Argentina in the early part of January 1985. It is presumed that Weisfeller had been kidnapped and taken to the colony where he was tortured and killed. In 2012, a judge in Chile ordered the arrest of eight former police and army officials over the kidnapping of Weisfeller during the Pinochet years, citing evidence from declassified U.S. files. In 2016, the case was closed and the men were freed when a judge ruled that Weisfeller had indeed been abducted, but that it was only a common crime long past the statute of limitations instead of a human rights violation. Which I find really difficult to kind of believe that because you've got evidence that he was kidnapped, taken to Colonia Dignidad and murdered and tortured and killed, and yet kidnapping is only a common crime... I don't know where they come up with that sort of saying, that kidnapping was a common crime. I mean, kidnapping is still kidnapping. I would assume that the people that were responsible for that would still be charged with something. I find it very difficult that the judge just dismissed it and goes, oh, well, kidnapping's only a common crime. There's nothing we can do. Like, kidnapping is still a crime. That wording really kind of throws me and irks me because kidnapping is still a crime. Yes, it might be common, which I don't know what that's got to do with it, but it's still a crime that's been committed and should be punishable by law. But then again, I don't know what the Argentine and Chilean ruling on kidnapping is or what their laws are surrounding that. But I would still assume that it's still a crime which would be punishable by, I don't know, imprisonment or something. I, I just find it very difficult to believe that the judge would just dismiss it out of hand like that 
it, it just seems really weird that even, I mean, okay, I get that it's long past the statute of limitations, but an American citizen in Chile disappeared, rumoured to have been kidnapped, killed and tortured, or kidnapped, tortured and killed, and yet the judges are just saying, oh, well, it's a common crime, past the statute of limitations, everyone that was involved, we're just going to let them go. I mean, look, I would understand if the, if the evidence had disappeared, if there was no evidence and there was no documents or documentation or anything and, and the evidence had disappeared or went missing over the years or whatever, that's understandable. But there was circumstantial sufficient evidence to say that from US files that were declassified that it's very likely that he was killed and tortured in Colonia Dignidad. So I don't understand why the judge would just throw it out like that. It, it just seems... I mean, kidnapping is a human rights violation. That you're, you're kidnapping someone, you're taking away their liberty, their freedom. That's a human right. I mean, if you're forcibly taking away someone's liberty, someone's freedom, and you're doing it forcibly, isn't that a human rights violation? I could be wrong, and I don't want to quote chapter and verse in something I don't quite know all that about, but I'm assuming that a human rights violation would be taking away something forcibly from someone, like someone's liberty. Like, isn't there a law like deprivation of liberty, where you're taking away some freedom of movement. I would assume that's a human rights violation. I, I don't understand how the judge came to this conclusion. I'm really kind of perplexed as to how they came to this, it's only a common crime, and they ruled that he had been abducted, so that's still a crime. This is what I don't understand about this. He was abducted, the judge ruled that he had indeed been abducted, but it's a common crime. Well, even if kidnapping was a common crime, one would assume that that's still a crime that's punishable by jail, or something at least. And even though it's long past the statute of limitations, it's still punishable because he was abducted during the Pinochet regime and placed in colonial dignidad against his will. So that is still a human rights violation, which I would assume is still punishable in some way. I don't understand how the judge ruled it anything other than that. But then again, I'm not a judge in Chile. I don't know the laws over there. I'm just assuming a lot here, but, and I don't want to quote chapter and verse or something I don't know, but I'm assuming that there would at least be some sort of crime with which these guys could be tried and convicted for because they kidnapped the guy. He ended up going some somewhere where they killed him after torturing him. You know, I, I don't really see how you could come to any other conclusion other than that. One of the first instances of abuse allegations was in 1966 from escapee Wolfgang Mueller, who had been 16 when he came to the colony. He claimed that he was forced into slave labour, received regular harsh beatings, and was molested by Schaefer on multiple occasions. Mueller said that former Nazis were part of the colony as well. Now we come to weapons violations. So in June and July of 2005, Chilean police found two large illegal arms caches in, and around, in or around the colony. The first within the colony itself included three containers with machine guns, automatic rifles, rocket launchers, and large quantities of ammunition, some as many as 40 years old, but with evidence of recent maintenance. This cache was described as the largest arsenal ever found in private hands in Chile. The second cache outside a restaurant operated by the colony included rocket rocket launchers and grenades. In January of 2005, former Chilean secret police operative Michael Townley, then living in the United States under a witness protection program, acknowledged to agents of Interpol Chile links between Dina and Colonia Dignidad. Townley also revealed information about Colonia Dignidad and the Army's laboratory on bacteriological warfare. This last laboratory would have replaced the old Dina laboratory at Viva Nanga de Lo Curio Hill, sorry if I get that name wrong, where Townley worked with the chemist Eugenio Boers. Townley also gave proof of biological experiments related to the two aforementioned laboratories on political prisoners at Colonia Dignidad. 
Now we come to the Nazi ties. So both the Central Intelligence Agency and Simon Wiesenthal have presented evidence that Joseph Mengele, the infamous Nazi concentration camp doctor, known as the Angel of Death for his lethal experiments on human subjects, was present at the colony. The Nazi underground in South America was established sometime before World War II. Juan Perón, who I have done an episode on during my Adolf Hitler Uh, podcast episode provided shelter to some escaped Nazi criminals and I go into detail on that in that podcast episode if you'd like to listen to that podcast episode it is in the episode list so feel free to listen to it and I do encourage you to. Nazi sympathy in South America decreased until Pinochet took power. It was suggested that part of the intense racism, anti-semitism and classism in Chile can be attributed to Nazi presence. The high concentration of Germans in Chile shaped the country's overall attitude towards subjects like education and military. A few of the Germans who immigrated to Chile in the 1960s were ex-Nazis led by Paul Schaefer. Colonia Dignidad was described as a Nazi stronghold protected by the Chilean government. Former members of the SS and Gestapo had the job of demonstrating Nazi torture methods to the secret police of Chile. Many of Schaefer's followers who had Nazi past joined him to escape post-World War II war crime investigations. The presence of Colonia Dignidad had an effect on the general political opinion of the surrounding areas and the government as well because of this, considering the political ties between Colonia Dignidad and the Chilean government. Now we get into legal proceedings. Now, in 2004, a Chilean court convicted Schaefer and 26 other cult members of child abuse. In 2006, Schaefer was sentenced to 20 years in prison. In early 2011, Hartmut Hopp, considered to be Schaefer's right-hand man at Colonia Dignidad, was placed under house arrest in Chile while awaiting trial for human rights crimes. In May of 2011, Hopp fled Chile on board a helicopter, later making his way to Germany. In June 2016, prosecutors in Germany petitioned a court to enforce a five-year prison sentence that Hopp was sentenced to an abstentia in Chile. In May 2019, German prosecutors announced that they dropped their investigation into Hopp and Reinhard Doring. In January 2020, a lawyer for the victims, Petra Schlagenhoff, lodged a complaint seeking to have the investigation reopened. Hopp and other alleged accomplices in Schaefer's crimes who were charged in awaiting trial took refuge in Edward Frank's church in Germany where they were protected from extradition. Frank is a leader of William Brahms' followers in Germany and German protesters picketed in front of Frank's church to protest his actions. The government of Chile banned Edward Frank from entering the country after finding he had been visiting and holding revival meetings with Schaefer's followers at Colonia. Schaefer's followers speculated to news reporters that Frank and Schaefer had known each other since the 1950s when they were both at Branham's European campaign meetings together. At the time that Hopp fled Chile, a 10 other cult members were out on bail awaiting charges on various crimes. Fearing that they would also flee the country, their bail was immediately revoked and they were taken into custody. In 2010, Chilean authorities opened an investigation into the events occurring in the colony during the 1990s, resulting 19 months later in the Supreme Court issuing a unanimous ruling to prosecute 16 Chilean and German members of the colony. On the 28th of January 2013, six former leaders of the colony were sentenced to prison while the remaining 10 were found guilty of lesser charges and given probationary sentences. Now, here's where we come to a rather interesting point. There were also two very strange disappearances, one in 1985 around the area of Colonia Dignidad, that is, I mentioned before, of Boris Weisfeller, and another, that of Juan Mano, that to this day has never been explained. 
Now we're going to first talk about Boris Weisfeller. So Boris Weisfeller was a Soviet-born mathematician and professor at Penn State University who lived in the United States before disappearing in Chile in 1985. Declassified U.S. documents suggest a Chilean army patrol seized Weisfeller and took him to Colonia Dignidad, a secret Germanic agricultural commune set up in Chile in the 1960s. The Chilean Pinochet military dictatorship alleged that he drowned. He is known for the Weisfeller filtration, Weisfeller lemon algorithm, and Hack Weisfeller conjectures. Now we're going to get into his early life, career, and his disappearance. So Weisfeller, a Jew, was born in the Soviet Union. He received his PhD in 1970 from the Stiklov Institute of Mathematics in Leningrad Department as a student of Ernest Vinberg. In the 1970s, Weisfeller was asked to sign a letter against a colleague and for his refusal was branded anti-Soviet. Weisfeller left the Soviet Union in 1975 to be free to advance his career and practice his religion. After a brief period under Armand Borel at the Institute for Advanced Study near, Prin near Princeton University, Weisfeller became a professor at Pennsylvania State University. In 1981, he was naturalized as an American citizen. Weisfeller's research spanned 20 years, and he published three dozen research papers during his lifetime. According to his colleague Alexander Labotovsky, Weisfeller was studying the more difficult questions of algebraic groups in the case when the field is not algebraically closed and the groups do not split or even worse, are non-stropic. End quote. He's known for the Weisfeller-Lemon algorithm, the Kack-Weisfeller conjectures, the Weisfeller filtration, and work on strong approximation on finite linear groups. Now, I don't understand an absolute word of that, and I have no idea what he was working on because I'm not a mathematician. So if anybody understands that, because I don't know exactly what algebraic groups is, and I don't know what algebraically closed means. Um, I also apologize if I get those names wrong because I do not know what any of that means means. So now we're going to get into the disappearance of Weisfeller. So Weisfeller, an experienced outdoorsman, flew to Chile at Christmas time of 1984 to hike alone in the Ch Chilean Andes. Chile was then under a military dictatorship headed by General Augusto Pinochet, which committed numerous human, human rights abuses before he died in 2006. Pinochet had been prosecuted for his role in Operation Colombo and indicted an absentee in other countries. After the effective end of military rule in 1990, the Chilean government took steps to investigate additional activities under the Pinochet regime. According to Chilean government records, Weisfeller was hiking near the border of the Colonia Dignidad at the time of his disappearance. Various actual or supposed eyewitnesses conflicting reports make the details of the disappearance impossible to discern. The Chilean government has ruled that Weisfeller had entered the confluence of two swift-moving rivers and drowned, his body never to be recovered. Local fishermen say they camped with Boris and gave him directions northward towards a bridge near the Colonia. Some people claim to have seen his footprints near the river and to have found his backpack and other items. The items may have been sold or destroyed by the Chilean government in the late 1990s, as evidenced by Chilean government documents and published news articles. Although no conclusive proof connects to Weisfeller's disappearance to any entity, some American and Chilean officials do suspect one particular group. Unknown to most of the world, Colonia Dignidad sat on a large tract of land not far from the border with Argentina. Idyllic in appearance, the Colonia was run by German expatriots who included alleged Nazi war criminals and sympathizers. The leader of the Colonia for most of his existence was former Nazi Paul Schaefer. The Colonia had a cult-like atmosphere in which many children were molested, a crime for which its leaders have faced prosecution. Schaefer himself was convicted in May of 2006 in connection with allegations of child abuse at the Colonia. 
Caledonia. The BBC has reported and Chilean governmental documents suggest that the Chilean secret police, which was disbanded in 1977, brought suspected anti-government prisoners there to be interrogated. According to the United States Department of State reports, other witnesses claim they saw Boris Weisfeller in the colonia several years after his disappearance. At least one claims he was alive some three years later. Other claims he was assassinated as a Soviet or Jewish spy. Weisfeller's whereabouts remain unknown, and his sister Olga, who, like her brother, immigrated to the United States, continues to petition numerous authorities to determine his fate. In early 2006, a bipartisan congressional letter signed by 27 senators and representatives was delivered to Chilean President Michelle Bachelet in the hope of speeding an official Chilean investigation into his fate. On August 21st of 2012, a Chilean judge ordered the arrest of eight retired police and military officers in connection with the alleged kidnapping and disappearance of Boris Weisfeller. According to the court filings, the suspects were to have been prosecuted for aggravated kidnapping and complicity in the disappearance of a US citizen between January 3rd and January 5th of 1985. The filings did not mention where Weisfeller might have been taken after his detention or what may have happened to him afterwards. The case was closed in 2016 after the judge ruled the disappearance to be a common crime for which the statute of limitations had passed, not a violation of human rights, which again, I just, I, I can't understand how he could have come to that ruling. Then we come to WikiLeaks. So interestingly enough, several embassy cables published by WikiLeaks mention Weissfeller. One is 09SANTIAGO680, which says, and I quote, La Nacion travelled to the exact location where he was last seen and talked to key witnesses. From these accounts, the conclusion is that Weissfeller approached the home of a farmer to ask for hot water. A police patrol and two civilians well known in the area arrived at the farmer's house asking about a foreigner. The group was later seen carrying on horseback the body of a man wrapped in a blanket. His hands and feet were visible. The general belief is the area that Wastefeller was detained, beaten, and his body buried and exhumed days later. His disappearance is the last human rights violation committed by the military regime. Mobilizing US politicians have determined the GOC resolved the case. In Santiago, FBI agents have increased their activities with local authorities in an effort to solve the case. La Nacion claims that the witness accounts in this article contain information that has never been revealed before. End quote. And that was from La Nacion, government-owned, editorially independent, 7-19. Now we come to Juan Mano. So Juan Bosco Mano Canales was a photographer, political activist, and opponent of Augusto Pinochet's regime in Chile. He was a leader in the, I'm going to butcher this name, Movimiento de Acción Popular Unitaria, which in English is United Popular Action Movement. He was detained on May 26th of 1976 by agents of, and I'm going to butcher this name, Dirección de Inteligencia Nacional, DINA, agents, and disappeared. Now we're going to get into Juan's early life. So Juan Mano was an engineering graduate from Universidad Tecnica del Estado, State Technical University in English, and a militant and dirigent of the Movimiento de Acción Popular Unitaria. He was... um, Sorry if I get that wrong. He was working on his thesis in mechanical engineering with classmates Antonio Elizondo or Maquia. I do apologize if I get that name wrong. Now we're going to get into his arrest. So two days before his arrest, on May 24th of 1976, around 3 p.m., Andreas Reckes Jura, the brother of Elizabeth Reckes Jura, who in turn was the wife of Elizondo, was arrested by Dina agents. 
He was driven to a secret detention and tortured facility known as Villa Grimaldi. There he was interrogated and the activities of his brother and sister-in-law as well as Juan. He was forced to identify his sister in a clandestine stakeout on May 26th. He was able to hear his sister screaming at Villa Grimaldi. I can't imagine what that would be like. This is this whole regime of Pinochet's was absolutely terrible. It, it kind of you know takes you back to the days of Adolf Hitler, really. If you if you want to look at it that way, you know Augusto Pinochet was no better than Adolf Hitler himself. The way I look at it, you know, is basically what his Diener agents did were basically what the Gestapo did. If you talked about the government, you just disappeared and ended up up dead and there was no paper trail to what happened to you. very very likely that it there's so much the same that's how i see it there's really no difference between augusto pinochet and adolf hitler really if you look at it it's the same across the board Mano was arrested by Dina agents on the night of May, May 26th of 1976 at the Elizondo apartment in Nunoa, Santiago, together with Elizabeth Riqueas Ura. The latter was pregnant at the time, and her husband Antonio Al- Elizondo had been detained earlier that same day at around 6.30pm at the intersection of Alameda Avenue and Lord Cochrane Street in downtown Santiago. Both are also still listed as disappeared. According to witnesses, Manu and Riqueas were detained by at least three agents in one car who remained at Elizondo's house past 2am. Days after his disappearance, Manu's mother presented a habeas corpus to the 8th Criminal Tribunal of Santiago. The court refused to investigate the case, and the Chilean criminal system, investigating, prosecuting and judging, were all then done by only one person. The criminal judge, according to Judge Juan Guzman's autobiography that was released in 2005. Andreas Riqueas Ura was released the same day, but no trace of Antonio. Antonio Elizondo, Elizabeth Riquez, and Juan Mano has been found since then. Now we get into the investigation. So, in 2005, Paul Schaefer, the former leader of the Enclave of Colonia Dignidad, Chile, was charged with involvement in his disappearance after two cars owned by Mano were found inside Colonia Dignidad. With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions that still remain unanswered. Please rate the show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down in the below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time. Next on Unanswered Questions. The death at Deep Cut Army Barracks is a series of incidents that took place involving the deaths and obscure circumstances of four British Army trainee soldiers at the Princess Royal Barracks in Deep Cut in the country of Surrey between 1995 and 2002.